Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community, living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations. Scripture days from uh, Luke chapter 2, 1 to 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Merry Christmas. I don't know about you, but um, I am starting to feel the relief of this season as we kind of wind up to the big day. Some of the, all the craziness of the holidays, we're kind of getting through it, now getting to enjoy more of the parties and the festivities and the family time. We survived Black Friday. We survived some holiday parties. What are a few of the other things when you think about Christmas busyness and Christmas craziness that we, that we made it through this month? I'm thinking traffic in all, the, in all the streets, especially parking lots outside of the mall. I'm thinking of stores being packed, right? Like that little, the little line you try to jump in, 15 items or less to get out, that thing has 25 people in it. <laughs> Anybody else? What is a few other holiday busyness things that, you, that we trudge through this year? Wrapping the gifts, right? You know, when it's two weeks before Christmas and the living room looks like you just opened the gifts because things are everywhere. What else? What are Oh, gluttony. Let's be real. Let's be real. The sin that's most acceptable in the church. Gluttony. Anything else come to mind when we talk about Christmas craziness, Christmas busyness? Oh, travel, right? Try getting on an airplane, driving out of town. Christmas is the second most traveled holiday, according to a lot of statistics. Anything else come to mind, Christmas time? What's that? Post office. Oh, yeah. Try, try going to the, your UPS store, your post office. That's a, that's a nightmare. Overeating. Overeating. Indeed, indeed. Signing up for those gym passes. Yeah, the next Christmas rush is going to happen after January, right? Right, right. What's that? Decorating, right? Getting all the tinsels out and the, the glitter is still everywhere and getting the ladder out in the rain, trying to climb on the roof, do the lights. There's just a lot of stuff that happens around Christmas time. And um, I think the Bible's going to show us that actually 
the way that we experience today with all the busyness and the people moving and the stuff going on isn't all that different from the original Christmas. In fact, Bill Crowder said, said this, one of the great challenges left to us is cutting through the glitz and glam of the season that has grown increasingly secular and commercial to be reminded of the beauty of the one who is Christmas. First point is that there's always been a great distraction from the coming of Jesus. There's always been a great distraction from the coming of Jesus. Now, let me explain what I mean by distraction, because like, if I use the word distraction when I'm at work in the office, you know, that, that usually means something that's annoying me, right? Like, if I'm in the office and somebody's using a nail gun on the roof, like, like fixing panels, and I hear thump, 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 do, 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 people walking across the roof, like, that's annoying me, that's a distraction. If there's a vacuum running and I'm trying to read or watch television, that's a distraction. But for what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to use the word distraction to mean things that get us off track from the most important things. In verse 3, it says, chapter 2, all who went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So what's going on as, as we catch, as we jump into this part of the story? There's a Roman empire, uh, a Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, who called for there to be a census of the Jewish people. You do a census for a couple reasons. Number one is to make sure you're getting your appropriate tax from the territory that you were lording over. And number two, you could count how many able-bodied men were in that territory in case you either needed to oppress them more or call their able-bodied men to go to war. So during this time, the, the Jewish people, Joseph and Mary as well, are being called back to their city to register where they're from. It's interesting that Jude, uh, uh, Joseph is from Bethlehem, which is the city of David. And that connects us into where in the old prophecies it says, out of the root of David will come the Messiah. For, for this poor guy, Joseph, I mean, think about this. He's a carpenter. He's an honest guy who goes to work, swings a hammer. He wants to get married to the girl of his dreams. She pops up pregnant. Now there's an angel. Guess what? You got a hundred mile donkey ride to go register yourself and she's pregnant. Some people would use this as maybe a foreshadowing of holiday travel and Black Fridays to come. I personally think that's a bit of a stretch, but you know what, there is typology in there. I, I have to give them that. Um, though the things going on in his life would have been a great distraction. I can only imagine what that donkey ride is like. Him, his internal conversation, wondering to himself like, oh my gosh, why can't I just have a normal life like everybody else? What's with this whole thing, bearing a virgin, having the angels, 100 mile donkey ride in the midst of her pregnancy? That's gotta have a lot of bathroom stops, you know what I mean? Travel plans, family confusion, social events, all big distractions. Now, here's the thing though, all of those things are positive. All of those things can be positive. Great travel plans for the holiday, awesome. Time with family, 
should be a positive. Social events, seeing others who you don't get to spend time with in other times of the year, like those are all positives. But if we lose sight of the purpose of this season, they can be a distraction. Jesus warns about distractions in life in Matthew when he talks about the parable of the sower. In Matthew 13, 22, he says, as for what was sown amongst the thorns, he's making an analogy. This is someone who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and keep it from being unfruitful. One of the most ironic things about the holiday season is that I think people miss Christmas. I think, I think we're actually really good at observing the season because it's kind of the cultural thing to do, but I would say by and large I feel like the masses are disconnected from the one that they are celebrating. In this story, it's interesting to note that Jerusalem would have been the spiritual capital of Israel, the who's who would have lived there. It would have been the big city outside of Bethlehem. But none of the cultural who's who of that city came out to see Jesus being born. Even when the Magi went to Herod to say, hey, where is this child being born? The scribes and the sages who would have been who should have been extraordinarily interested in the coming of the king and this star off in the distance, didn't bother to go with them to find out anything about the fulfillment of this prophecy. The only ones who were interested enough to get up and make the trip, a couple of shepherds. My second point, God comes to us in unexpected ways. God comes to us in unexpected ways. It's interesting to think that God's introduction to the city of Bethlehem came with a simple knock at the door of an inn. I can only imagine Joseph's probably at that point dirty, ruddy, hefty carpenter hands making that noise on the outside of an inn as his knuckles wrap on a simple slab of wood that's going to announce the presence and the coming of God. After a hundred miles walking on a donkey, the pregnant wife, the king of Israel returned to the house of David and was told that they would have to sleep with the animals. This is the coming of a king that's been, to a nation that's been waiting on a Messiah for for hundreds of years. They're living under oppression, waiting for a sense of hope. But as soon as there was a commercial and cultural event that would distract them, they miss out on the very king that they've been waiting for. Jesus, just as Christ's journey to Bethlehem was unexpected, so too can our journeys with Jesus have unexpected beginnings. In our lives, an unexpected journey to Jesus might begin with something like a blood test. Might start with a diagnosis. Or maybe it comes after an achievement that seemed so promising, but that once you get there, feels so empty. It may start with the glorious birth of a child, or the birth of a child whose needs are beyond what you can manage. Or it may begin on a day like today, visiting church when you 
maybe haven't in a little while. When someone shares a simple word from God with you, and you take that opportunity to respond. My third point is that some of the most powerful things in life have humble beginnings. Some of the most powerful things in life have humble beginnings. God incarnate came to earth and he wasn't even privileged the comfort to sleep in a bedsheet. Ever think about that? Like, what's on the floor in a manger? Mm. What does that smell like? It's not like the clean OB rooms over in our beautiful hospitals over here. That's not where Jesus came. Jesus came intentionally with humble beginnings. Maybe the greatest importance is that even looking to the manger, we need to be careful not to forget the cosmic importance of the Christmas message. Because if we could condense all the truths of Christmas and try to weave it down to just a couple words, I would, I would say we could do it in three words. God with us. God with us. See, we tend to focus our time at Christmas on the infancy of Christ, but the greater truth of this holiday is his holy deity. More astonishing than the baby in the manger is the truth that this promised baby is the omnipotent creator of heaven and earth. During the holidays, billions of people will disrupt their schedules, their plans, travel all over, buy gifts, sing songs, and spend times with their families. But the things they celebrate most about Christmas aren't what Christmas is actually about. And one of the disconcerting things with that is after going through all of what I'll call the Christmas holiday as opposed to the, the Christmas of Christ is that the Christmas holiday won't fulfill our deepest needs. We can wake up Christmas morning, open a beautiful present, have some time with the family, and if that's conflicted or I still have a hole in my heart by the end of the day, I'm spiritually wanting again. Because the holiday in itself isn't supposed to fill us. It's Christ's coming during that holiday. We need our hearts stirred up in wonderment regarding what we're really celebrating here. The answer to that is the gospel. The offering that the gospel makes us is one of grace. It says this Christmas, kind of like how Jesus stepped humbly into the world, God is asking us to step humbly into that grace, to recognize that sin is our greatest problem in the world, that that problem is universal and it's fatal. As the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins, but kind of using Jesus' entry to earth as a metaphor, as an extraordinarily humble moment with God's own humility on display. In the gospel message, it calls us to reach for that same humility as we ask for a power greater than ourselves into our life to transform us and save us. One of the things that we need to be careful during Christmas that we need to save ourselves from is self-love. Self-love, it's been said the evil of the world exists because we don't love God as we should. 
If we're not careful, we can paint the holiday season as a time for self-indulgence and fulfillment. We can live our lives as if we only exist for our own self-pleasure and even erect systems of self-justification that make that sin okay. And this message flies in conflict in what the true reason for the season is. See, over the holidays, we want things like a sense of comfort, a sense of familiarity, a sense of control. None of those things require you to be humble. It's notable to acknowledge that God moved Joseph and Mary away from the things that are comfortable to be part of something that is significant. If we're not careful, those comforts and the need for them can allow for subtle sins to work in our life, patterns of anger or bitterness or control. That beautiful ride you may take through the forest here may seem beautiful on a pleasant day when it's new to you, but after a while, if you've been comfortable with the road, instead of seeing the beautiful trees around you, you can just become angry at the traffic or the rain or the windiness of the road. Paul Tripp says this about comfort and the Christian habits, especially around Christmas and the holidays. He says the easiest form of theology, the easiest form of belief is actually theology. To be able to think Jesus is God and understand that is an intellectual concept. But that the hardest sense of belief is learning on a street level about what God says about our own hearts. But the great news is, my fourth point, is that God came because of his great love for us. God came because of his great love for us. See, the entire reason for for Christmas is for the love of God. God loves us so much that he came to earth as a human so that we could get to know him, learn about him, and trust him. This is what, what we call the incarnation. Incarnation, uh, the definition of it is to make flesh or to be made flesh. Think of the words in as in belonging to and carne, like carne asada, in flesh, of flesh. The purpose of Christmas is that God would take on flesh and offer reconciliation to his people, knowing that nothing in life has satisfied us outside of the Lord in the deepest places of our soul. Why not look to Jesus for that sense of fulfillment? His love for us is unconditional. I mean, think about this. In addition to salvation, he he gave us a lot of things, didn't he? I mean, he gave us taste buds so we can like cookies and cream. (laughs) He gave us ears so we can hear good music. He gave us bodies so that we can go fun places and do fun things. He gave us beautiful places in the world to travel to and live in. You know, a lot of people, when they kind of come to understand there is a God having that first stage of belief, but not understanding how he works in the world, they kind of get this view that maybe God set up the world and just kind of like took a step back and let things spin. He's just kind of like watching over us, letting things work out as they will. We would say that's, that's kind of like a deistic point of view. 
Or another mistake we can make is that God maybe is some kind of cosmic judge who's watching over us and every struggle and every time we fail, he's waiting there counting up our sins. Or like John Piper says, for many, Christianity has become the grinding out of general doctrinal laws and biblical facts. The childlike wonder and the awe has died. The scenery and poetry and music and majesty of God got dried up in that and forgotten like a peach at the back of the refrigerator. Yet the message of Christmas itself is mind-blowing. It's that God, the creator of the universe, loves us, came for us, and will do whatever it takes to restore us to him. The church forefathers said this, God loves each one of us as if there were only one of us. In light of all this, in light of all this, what can we do this Christmas? The main thing that we can do is find our hope in Christmas. You know, it's powerful to think of Jesus as a baby coming in a manger and his father knocking at the door of an inn. But it's also true to say in the future, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to knock again. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in him, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. When Jesus comes to us now, he's knocking at our hearts instead of knocking at our physical door. There's an invitation that Jesus is relaying to come and have fellowship with God that we see embodied in Christmas. In John 3, 16 and 17, John tells us, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that it might be saved through him. God's proclaiming his his overwhelming mad love for us, that he shed his majesty to serve us despite the fact we would never be able to serve him back. What we see in Christmas is mangers and donkeys and humble beginnings, but what's actually going on is an act of the most selfless love and service, even unto death. The Christmas message is there's hope in a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of the glory of God. Because of the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later, he might die on a cross. Pretty much the rest of the world outside of Christianity looks at that pathway to God as if it's an act of works. As if we're going to do a bunch of good deeds and on this side of the scale, hopefully that's going to outweigh my bad deeds and I can work off enough of my karmic sins so that I can find salvation. That's not Christianity's message. 
Christianity says you can't work for what Jesus already paid for. It's too expensive. And you are not strong enough to do that. The word evangelon is a Greek word signifying good, merry, glad, and joyful news. It's where we get the word the gospel from. It's something that makes a heart glad and makes someone sing, dance, and leap for joy. Joy is the reason, that joy is the reason we have a church. That joy is the reason we gather on Sunday. That joy is the reason we enjoy fellowship together. And a picture of that joy is why we open presents together to celebrate his presence. Let me encourage you today, if, if you're new to church and haven't accepted the gospel, this is a message of joy. God wants to share with you the most wonderful gifts in all of creation. And if you've heard a thousand Christmas messages before because you podcast all the time, not because you've lived a thousand years, but because you're a podcaster, be encouraged. God has a message of joy for us this Christmas beyond any of the physical or any of the Christmas holiday stuff that we do. I'd like to challenge you today as we go off to be with our families. Consider all he's done for us. Consider the great presence he's given us, the great bodies, the great minds, the hope for the future. And consider this too, how we can respond to him out of love. He close us in prayer. Almighty, Almighty God, you are a great and an awesome God. We pray today that you would accomplish all your desires in our hearts, that we wouldn't need to pare down your promises, we wouldn't need to pare down our, our felt needs, or give up on any hope for you and your presence in our life. Lord, all, all things are possible with you. You are great and glorious. Lord, we, we pray that your presence be among us. We pray that your gospel reinvigorate us and touch us today. And Lord, uh, we pray that your will be done in our lives and our community. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you've enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church.